We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. I wanted to quickly jump in and let you know about the release of the audio version of my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, narrated by David A. Knesser. If you want to support the show, you can buy it wherever audiobooks are sold. Links are also in the show notes. Now on to my guest for today. Christina Eanes, a leadership coach who has used her love for escape rooms to teach personal and professional growth through her writings, courses, and speeches. Christina got her start as an analyst in law enforcement, moving from California to Washington, D.C. to take a job with the FBI. After moving up the ranks there, she became a leadership trainer and then left to start her own company. Four years ago, she and her husband discovered escape rooms, and they've been hooked ever since participating in upwards of 500 escape rooms. Christina uses escape rooms to teach concepts and help people become more aware of their beliefs and limitations, ideas she outlines in her book she co-wrote with her husband, Life is an Escape Room. In this podcast, Christina and I talk about how escape rooms can also teach you a lot about ourselves as well as other people, how we handle stress, what we do when the going gets rough, and whether or not you should give up when you're nearly out of time. Christina focuses on helping leaders become more transformational rather than transactional. One parallel to escape rooms is that when a leader is done getting through the escape room, is their team ready to follow him or her into the next challenge, or do they just want to cut and run? Now, 
Let's get better together. Christina Eanes, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So glad to be here. Well, thank you for being on the show. Um, I, well, I mean, there's so many things I want to talk to you about, the <laughs> least of which is this whole escape room, life is an escape room book, which of course is I'm an author. I love authors. Authors are awesome, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, but, and also a little bit about your work at the FBI, um, which I find also really cool. Uh, but before we do that, why don't you give me a little background on how you got to do what you're doing today? Okay, so I was born. No, I'm just kidding. I won't <laughs> go that far. <laughs> but actually, when I was a kid, I was very entrepreneurial. Oh, cool. um, yeah, I mean, I, I would like set up a lemonade stand on the ninth hole of the golf course. So that, you know, because they would be tired about halfway through 18 holes and they would be more apt to buy lemonade on the ninth hole. So <laughs> I would do that as a kid, but I had uh, by choice, I had children young and I decided I needed to go into a more steady because I was going to be the main main breadwinner for a while. So a more steady line of work. So I ended up going into the field of law enforcement as an analyst, started out not far from you. I went to Sac State and then started out at Vacaville PD right out of college as an analyst. Cool. And then I joined the FBI. Their uh, FBI's uh, the Violent Criminal Apprehension Program, VICAP, as an analyst because uh, I had hit 30 and I was as high as I could go in the police department. And I thought, okay, why not? Let's just go affect change on a bigger level. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, I didn't know there was like, there was only so far you could go in a police department. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as a civilian, right? As oh, a civilian, as a, a non gun right. toter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I moved the family across all the way uh, to the East Coast. First wow. time I had been past, I think, Michigan mm. <laughs> when I moved. Adventure. I, I like to go on adventures, as you can tell from my last book. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, so I did enjoy doing that for a while. A, a lot of fun. I was an analyst, not an agent. A lot of people think if you're in the FBI, you're an agent. Only a third of the people in the FBI are actual agents. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, but I had a lot of fun with that, and I know we can get into that. Um, but I knew I didn't want to do that my entire career. Because, you know, I was looking for bodies on the side of the road every time we were driving around. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I mean, it was a good, uh, it was a good experience. It was, it, but I didn't want to do it for 30 years. So, um, and again, in order to get promoted, you needed to move up and out of that area. So then I went and helped form the leadership development program that they were uh, organizing at that time. I did that for a few years. I fell so in love with all of that professional development, personal development stuff. Then once the kids left the house, I decided, hey, I'm going to go open up my own company. And that has been its own evolution. You know, I'm going to, I came back to being the entrepreneur and then uh, that's been quite a journey in the last uh, seven years now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I never, like, I didn't know that about the FBI. I thought they were all agents, you know, all cool. I know. It's G-men with the guns and everything. <laughs> my, common. uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. My, uh. My future stepdaughter, she wants to be a spy. So, ah. uh, so she's always like trying to figure out, you know, how they <laughs> do that and all the skills and everything. And, uh-huh. um, but so you got to take her to the spy museum here in DC. Yeah, I know. Well, as soon as we can travel, cause we're still full of yeah. COVID stuff. Um, yeah, she would love that. She, she's so kind of into it cause she loves to read. So she reads all these books and all these 
you know, capers and oh, Nancy nice. Drew. And I mean, like, I think she reads my guess and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating probably per month, minimum 30 books per month, just minimum, yeah. you know, wow. and just absorb <laughs> just some smart right? cookie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, and we we're actually writing a, a, a middle grade novel together, Aww. which is really fun. Cause she's That's awesome. She's like, Oh, you gotta, you write books, but you don't, you, you don't write books for kids. You should write a book for a kid. I'm like, <laughs> Well, if you I help that's me, one of my ideas is a, um, like a middle school level kind of escape room type book. Yeah, no, I think yeah. you should definitely do it because the cool thing about like these escape rooms, you know, in your book about, um, life is like an escape room, or mm-hmm. I think I may have gotten the, the title <laughs> correct. Um, it's the, what, what's fun about them. And I, and like, I used to do them when we could do them, um, is that, when you put, when you like come together and try to solve a problem as a team, like that's the ultimate in leadership, especially it's under a time constraint. Oh yeah. And I, and I'm just curious how, well, one, how did you get involved with escape rooms? Like what was the genesis of it? And then, <laughs> and as a follow-up, like, how did the, you then just say, Oh, you know what? I got to write a book about this. So, um, my entrepreneur journey, right. Um, I get it passionate about something. And then I have to figure out a way to make money off of it. <laughs> That's what I do as an entrepreneur. Um, so this is the the third book. And uh, I fell in love with escape rooms. Uh, my daughter for her 21st birthday, actually, we were down and I, I thought we were going to go to Vegas, but she wanted to go to Harry Potter World in Orlando. So I'm like, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we did that. And then um, we were down there and had some downtime. She's like, hey, I've heard of escape rooms have you heard of those? Let's go try one. Well, I mean, that sounds kind of stupid. Go lock in a room for an hour. <laughs> am I going to sit and do puzzles? What? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so we went and we were hooked. Uh, and that was uh, four years ago, five, almost 500 escape rooms later. <laughs> oh, wow. I've, I've only done like maybe eight, maybe oh. eight. Not, not many, <laughs> but you, you can still love them. You don't have to go. Yeah, to no, time. but 500 boy. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I'm not kidding when I say it turned into an addiction. Yeah. And then I was thinking, okay, I love this. You can learn so much about yourself. I mean, I know that you do it for corporate team building and leadership type stuff, but you can learn so much about yourself and, and hashtag relationship goals is what someone told me once before too, when you're doing it with your family and, and loved ones. Right. Yeah. Um, but I found that you learn so much about yourself. So I started using it in my workshops and speeches on, mm. cause I do a lot of soft skills type training or right? emotional intelligence, communication, that kind of stuff. And I started using them as examples. And then of course I started bringing uh, escape room type experiences into the classroom. And then I'm like, wait a minute, we have so much fun. We need to turn this into a book mm. and then a speech of course. And then a workshop <laughs> in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's at the speech stage now. So we did the book I've done. I just did the first speech actually on a stage last week, wow. uh, which was fun. It was really weird on the stage yourself and the entire audience is virtual, Yeah, <laughs> but it worked. Um, so yeah, no, I love of, of an escape rooms of how it teaches us about ourselves. And I thought, okay, there's gotta be a way I can turn this into part of my business. Yeah. I mean, I have, well, I've never done it as part of a corporate team building event, but I mean, I know like taking family 
And uh-huh. like a lot, of, some of the family, you know, they've got PhD, MD, JD, alphabet soup after <laughs> the name, super, super smart. And then also super aggressive and type A, you know, uh-huh. uh, but, but it's funny and they're all really good at gaming and all this sort of stuff. But uh, yeah. sometimes when the pressure's on, they kind of yeah. crumble a little bit and you, and it's, oh, and it's yeah. the, and it's the quote unquote dumb one who, who is like, like organizing <laughs> the world, you know? Yeah. And, and that's always, actually a common misconception about escape games. And it's funny because we've talked to game masters, which you know what those are, right? Those are uh-huh. our guides through the experience. Uh-huh. When they do that, I'll ask people, have I ever done an escape room before? And a few of them have had like, well, I, I went to college. Okay. <laughs> that's not going to help you get out. Because <laughs> no, 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 it's no. not um, necessarily about how smart you are, right? It's uh, emotional intelligence. It's ability to switch back and forth. So there's a whole much involved in that. So you can be not as high as I, a matter of fact, I've seen some of those people and it sounds like you have too, right. That have multiple letters after their name and they just can't get out of the rooms. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, uh, I, I'm not exactly sure if it's like consistent across all of them, but it, I think it has a lot to do with, uh, almost how successful you were in school, like your book knowledge, as opposed to your practical knowledge, mm-hmm. because some of these clues as you know they're not really intellectual but yeah they're like little puzzles but they're puzzles that aren't you know you don't have to know anything about physics or yeah. law or whatever no or outside you, knowledge is yeah. one of the rules yeah you don't yeah, have no, to have outside knowledge it's, it's all like in there which is a great way i think to just get to know how leaders and how um other people will kind of I don't know, react under yeah. a stressful situation. I'm, and I'm curious if, if you're training as an analyst and in law enforcement and, you know, with the FBI, how does that play into all of this is it, it not only like the escape room thing, but also, you know, how you train leaders, because I got to believe that there's some, well, I mean, there's got to be something there or am I missing yeah. something? Yeah, oh, lots of tie-in. So the tie-in uh, between escape rooms and being an analyst is the love of puzzles, right? Being able to put things together and figure things out. Doesn't necessarily require high IQ, right? But it does require uh, street smarts, a little bit of common sense, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, being able to uh, put together the pieces of a puzzle, essentially. So that's kind of related to that. Then the um, the emotional aspect of when you're in that escape room, uh, being able to effectively get work done through others uh, and not like, uh, what do we used to say? We used to say, we used to open up a leadership development program when I was with the FBI in, okay, you're accomplishing the mission, right? In other words, we'll, we'll pretend you'll, you'll get out of the escape room, right? But uh, do you have a team that's ready to tackle that next escape room? Or do you have scorched earth and burned bodies in your path? <laughs> Right. So (laughs) you've got that mission accomplished, but how did you get to it? It's the how, right? So that would be, I guess, the correlation between escape rooms and leadership. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I could see that. I mean, you could do all scorched earth, you know, just ram through it and then no one will ever want to play with you again. (laughs) Exactly. But you got out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, but like. So that, that's one of our, um, with my husband and I, it's uh, one of the first things that we do before we go into rooms is, hey, relationship first, right? Oh. So we are here to have fun with each other. We are here to have an experience. If we get oh. out, we get out, which we actually do 97% of the time. 
But oh, wow. That's yeah, even, but we good. remind each other of that every time one of us gets a little grumpy or frustrated or competitive. Hey, relationship first. It's not about getting out. It's about having a fun experience. <laughs> yeah. When I, when I did these with Jane, my, my late wife, Jane, um, uh-huh. she, she was really good. She just loved to bring people together and do stuff. Aww. Yeah. So, so she, she, she wasn't even that really that great at it, but she just loved the fact that people were interacting and yeah. for her, it was just the process. Um, I think, I don't think she ever got out of one. If I, if I, <laughs> I'm trying to remember if we ever got but out. She of one had fun. She did. She did. And and she would set these all up. It was so funny. She would set these all up and then she got sick with leukemia and couldn't do some of them. So then we would go like as if she's like, go, oh, go as a family. We'd go as a family and then get out. And we'd be like, Hey, we got out. And, <laughs> um, and she would get all a little frustrated, and, but, but, but she would live vicariously through us. Right. I mean, yeah. just in, in that sense. And, but you could you could definitely see the the how stress, especially if you're like I want to get out, 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 I want to get out. Um, yes, how that can transform some couples. I mean, some of the couples that I played with, yeah, they would get angry at each other. Yeah, um, because it was a bit more type A or just like really into it. So, oh yeah. Well, and that's actually one of the the first lessons I talk about um, in the speech with escape rooms is our perception is our reality. Mm. And so whatever perception or beliefs you walk into that escape room with, that's what you're going to experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. actually really true. I mean, that's true for lots of different stressful situations. I mean, oh, yeah. Well, that's true for life. That was, you know, a parallel for life. Yeah. And the, uh, I won't tell the whole story, but when I get in, one of the stories that I tell during that is... Um, my husband and I went into a room where we were split up and there was a quote unquote live zombie in the room. And I went in thinking, Hey, this is going to be fun. I'm going to mess with that zombie. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to have fun. He went in thinking that zombie's going to get us. I have to be careful. I have to watch for him. So he was anxious the entire time. And here I am messing with the zombie like, Hey, yeah, <laughs> it was just total. It was just a total example of how our, how we expect things to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I could see how you could definitely be. Yeah. It, it just, it depends on the personality too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. We did, we did one at uh, the uh, ballpark. Oh, and, this, and it, which was this, ma- I mean, it was massive. It was at the candles. I think they call it, no, they don't call it can What do they call it now? at t park, whatever the, the new yeah. ballpark that's been around for about 10 years. It was, yeah, it was the whole ballpark was this escape room. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was really cool. Uh, we actually did escape, I think, if I remember, but it was really yeah. fun. Oh. Um, yeah. So, so when, when it comes to like the leadership training, you, you mentioned that you started doing this at the FBI and I'm assuming that, I mean, wh- why was, I mean, and everyone wants to build leaders, but what, what what was the specific thing at the FBI that that they were worried about when it came to leadership? Ah, so the initiative actually that that we were in charge of running was switching people to for more from transactional type leadership to transformational leadership, and that's that. And that's why we use that parallel of: Are you do you have a team that's ready and motivated to hit the next mission, 
Or, you know, are they exhausted, worn out, and don't want to see you the next day kind of thing, scorched earth and burned bodies. So we were trying to switch the mindset from more of a transactional leadership style to more of a transformational leadership style. And so was that just the traditional way the FBI worked? I mean... It was typical management focused versus leadership, right? And there are pockets of the more of the transformational type leadership, um, but they wanted it to be like a whole shift in the whole culture. Huh? Yeah. How, how successful was that? <laughs> well, you know, I left very shortly after we went through that. We sent them all through training, so I'm not sure, but it is a, an organization that's been around for over 100 years, so I'm sure it didn't change in two years. <laughs> yeah, my, my, that's my guess. That's my guess. I, I read this. It was a book. It was a book about a hostage negotiator in the FBI. Oh, uh, Chris Voss. Yeah. The um, yeah. Don't split the difference. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I thought that was a really interesting way how he kind of put parallels between life's lessons and, and, and what he did. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I just always thought of FBI as a bunch of, you know, hard charger, <laughs> you know, like we just kick down doors and break things kind of yeah. kind of people. But <laughs> but I know it's more than that. Um, yeah. It does seem it does seem interesting. They were trying to transform their their leadership style. I mean, I guess yeah. was it just because they had all this burnout, or was the mission changing? I mean, I, and the reason I bring this up is that that transactional management style is pretty systematic within tech. I mean, yeah. it's just it's tech. You know, I mean, I say this all the time, but tech managers are the worst. I mean, they just have no concept of any of this like leadership yeah. stuff and not all of them, but majority of them. Um, yeah. So what, what, what was it? What was the sort of impetus to that? Um, you know, I can't remember. Um, quite honestly, <laughs> I was brought in just to help do it. I, I wasn't part of the visionary part of it. Um, but I mean, there were, I had, I got to be careful what I say. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to put you in a corner. I'm just fascinated no, by this. No, no. Because... no I'd say, I would say most managers are were fairly good managers and leaders, but there were pockets that just really needed help. And they were just trying to transform that really. But I can certainly see, because one of the things, especially that we found, well, across the board, whether it's government or like, you know, tech industry, right, is people are promoted because of their technical skills. Yes. You need a completely different skill set to be a leader. Yeah. Yeah. hundred, you know, hundred yeah. percent. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's exactly what happens. And yeah. just because you have technical prowess does not mean you can lead people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a, whole, a totally different skill set. I mean, it's nice if you have it, right? And it is learnable, um, but you have to believe that it's what's needed and learn it and do it. Yeah. We, we used to, I used to work at a semiconductor company and, you know, soft skills were just, they would just uh -huh. laugh at you when you brought those up. And yeah. it was driven, so transactional driven management style. We had, these things called critical success factors and quarterly goals. And everyone drove to these metrics and everything was data-driven and, and there was no politics here, only data-driven because there were a bunch uh -huh. of engineers and scientists and, and it was all bullshit because there's <laughs> politics everywhere, right? There was, yes, there's know, people involved. There's people involved. Well, they used to say we, you know, well, we deplore politicians. And then I would put in quotes, only the bad ones, right? Because <laughs> I, I drank the Kool-Aid and I honestly mm -hmm. thought, well, Paul, I don't need to be a politician. I'm just going to do my job. I was young. I was going to do yeah. my job, 
technically competent and I had a little bit of management skill, but you know, I just got, I got hammered there. I I, I could never, I could never like understand the dynamic. And then when I left and went to another company and sort of did other things, I started to realize that real power of the, I don't even know if it's soft skills. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. the emotional intelligence that you talked about a little bit, but I mean, yeah. Do you, do you find that you, that you have to, when you take people through your leadership programs, do you have to kind of reset expectations? How do you go about, I mean, you almost got to unlearn that. I mean, is it as like, I'm an engineer, like by training, Uh I unlearn a lot of things. How how do you, how do you, how do you manage that when you you try to teach (laughs) people about leadership? Yeah. Well, so it depends, right? So um, I, we have a personality uh, assessment that we do and uh, it depends on the individual. So those that are more thinking related, more in their head, right? So we do need to do a little more convincing of like data and experts on why you need to learn how to relate better with people and how it will help you be more successful. But those of who are more of a, a feeling uh, in Jungian terms, Carl Jungian terms, right? Mm-hmm. Those that are more of a feeling type, you don't need to convince them that they need to, to work with other people well. Um, so it does depend on the group. I have found when we go in with tech type industry groups, you'll have more thinkers than feelers. So they need a little more like proof, essentially, that you're more you're more successful when you develop your emotional intelligence. And then once they see the proof and they can see, okay, I kind of get it. it at least some of them get on board and, and start learning and they realize that it does help them be more successful. Do, do you think that the trend, you know, how, what are some of like the aha moments that people huh. think about like that? I mean, I know, I know in escape rooms, there's certain points in the process where you're like, Oh, 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 oh we're actually going to get out of this. <laughs> cause, cause you like, <laughs> you finally had the, aha, there it is. Mm-hmm. You know? Is there something similar and when you're when you're training, especially like technical moments? Yeah, especially technical people. Yeah, I think uh, especially during when so there's training and we also do coaching. So when mm-hmm. you're really working with someone and they really want to work on themselves, mm-hmm. um, watching them apply it and think through how they're applying it. Aha moments. I'm trying to think. There was one recent one where uh, an individual was ha- really having trouble speaking to another person. Um, I mean, not like verbally speaking, right, but getting the message received. Uh, so we gave them some tools on, okay, let's look at them as a human. <laughs> let's, they're not a widget. They're a human. And so let's look at who they are as an individual and what are some ways that you can adapt the way you speak to them so that they're more apt to respond, right? And then they're, they, try, they looked at it like a, as it's always a scientific experiment, right? So I'm going to check it out. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. And then they found... Uh, a process that worked where that individual was able to receive the message uh, heard loud and clear, and they started working better together. So, and there's several stories like that. If people actually learn the skills and apply them, we have found. Yeah. And do you, do you see that between men and women, is it a different sort of either a different approach or a different level of, of, um, experience, or I'm not sure exactly the word Hmm. I'm looking for, but I know when I've, I know when I've managed both men and women, depending on the composition of the team, again, generally speaking, Uh um, it, it, I had a lot, the, I had a lot easier time managing women Uh because of some, I don't know what it was. 
but it, it seemed to me there was just an inherent empathy in the situation. I remember one time I actually lay, had to lay someone off. Mm-hmm. I had to lay off like four or five people. And I was really upset about it because I don't like, I mean, I just thought this was a total failure of my, my part. Right? Uh, because I mean, you know, like I'm the boss, right? And I remember one of the women I was laying off and, and she had, she was a senior person. So she, she knew, like, I thought, I think she knew what was coming. And I said, well, you know, I have to lay off. She's like, oh, I understand. And then she said, so how are you doing? And I'm all, oh. I'm doing, <laughs> like, well, I'm just telling you, you're, you're I got to let you go. She's like, I, that's not, I know it's not your fault. And I, and yeah. at that point I'm like, oh, wow. And she wanted to know how I was doing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no one, no one's ever done that to me before. So I'm curious yeah. if there's is there a difference? I mean, is, is, is um, there? Well, I think it depends, right? Mm-hmm. So she sounds like she was just more of an empathetic individual. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, there are research studies when you look at transformational and transactional leadership. There tends to be more women who are transformational leaders and more men that are transactional leaders. Um, so that's kind of in the, the studies. Uh, but I also think maybe depending on well, I will say the general socialization of women, they tend to be more social skills related um, because what am I trying to say? Um, We have to play well with others, right? In order to survive essentially, whereas men can be a little more assertive and aggressive. There's some research studies behind it. I can't like quote them right now, but no, no, no. General gist of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the reason why I bring that up is because I think, this whole more transformational as opposed to transactional, which is, I really like the way you put that because that is a hundred percent true in the sense that the world is moving more and more towards this. I mean, almost like, you know, knowledge workers, but, but also the diversity of the workforce, Mm -hmm. you can't like do, (laughs) you can't be like the, the hammer and stick kind of person. Exactly. I mean, because, because people will just leave. I mean, like yeah. they'll be like, Oh, I don't want to work with you anymore. And, yeah. and I, I even read some studies when they were doing some stuff at Google about like removing middle management. And so they're like, well, we don't need managers. And so they literally <laughs> removed them all. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, all middle managers, they just nuked them. Wow. And then all, and then they did this grand experiment and then they realized they're like, Oh, well, actually, we really need them because they're the ones that kind of push, you know, they they like they 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 disseminate the information and they kind of cohesively keep the world together. Yeah. But then they also found that the management style of the and they try to train um, to train their managers this way now mm-hmm. um, that it was important that they had more empathy and more of this. Uh, transformational qualities as opposed to transact because I mean it's Google it's like a, the biggest tech comp one of the biggest tech companies yeah you know for a fact they're like here's your code assignment go code this thing up here's your I mean like not probably the most in touch with their feelings kind of people <laughs> I mean just not I mean I mean I know I've got friends that have worked there worked at Facebook any tech company generally has got a hard time with feelings right just yeah and I, I'm I know people get mad at me about that, but I'm a tech guy and I know that's the case. So, you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Prove me wrong. Prove that's me wrong. touchy feely right? yeah. stuff. <laughs> but, but I, I think, I think that, but the, the, what's interesting is that in computer science, which 
if you look at the distribution of kind of engineering, so engineering like electronics, which is electrical, which is what I am, mechanical, civil, predominantly men. Mm -hmm. But then you look at computer science, you look at biology, where the distribution is more more uniform or like more, more opportunity for more different types of people. Um, it's like an interesting dynamic because I don't think you can do this transactional stuff anymore because I think one, you know, we're distributed teams across the planet now, even during for COVID, but two, I mean, talent, talented people are going to want to work in an environment where it feels good. They get, you know, not praise is probably, but they just feel appreciated and yeah. transactional doesn't seem like it's appreciative. Yeah. Well, there does need to be a nice balance, right? So mm-hmm. your transactional part pushes towards those goals, you mm-hmm. know, measures the results, that kind of stuff, right? But that transformational sees the people as people and treats them that way. They're not widgets, right? right. So a nice balance of that keeps people motivated, ready to go to work. You know, um, my boss cares about me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's one of these, it's, it's actually the, the, the topic of leadership is something that a lot of people tr- talk about. Um, mm-hmm. they try to do all these hacks, which <laughs> everyone's got their, you know, uh-huh. their growth hack, their leadership hack, their be more efficient, and and, and and Silicon Valley culture drives this efficiency to the nth degree with all yeah. these silly tools and so many different tools. And you can do your micro, like micro reviews where you can say, good job. And you can like all this game of, I mean, literally gamification of the whole thing. Again, transactional mm-hmm. masked, I think personally masked in this whole like, oh yeah, touchy feely. You did a good job. You know, yeah. The, the the annual review is so silly. We're not going to do that. We're going to do a daily review. <laughs> oh my lord! Well, I mean, they do this, this this company called Success Factors, which is now bought by SAP. Their whole premise was this constant feedback, which is good. I mean, good bosses that have that are transformational, not not as transactional, or that have that balance, knew this yeah. all along. It was like every day is an opportunity to motivate your people. Yeah. And be like a normal human, <laughs> not be like this. We must met more. <laughs> and so, yeah, as regular a, feedback is important. Yeah, right, right. And so, as a as an entrepreneur, like you have in your practice, how many how many employees do you have as part of your of your company? Uh, well, myself, and then I have I contract right, so a part time assistant, and then I have oh, it just changed uh, five coaches and mm-hmm. four instructors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you feel like managing that? I mean, I'm assuming, do they all have to go through your leadership training? <laughs> These are all people that I know and trust. Actually, one of them is, uh, she was one of my instructors uh, in the FBI. Oh, great. Um, yeah. Great, great. So, and there I managed two teams. It's, it's so, I mean, four or five people is not a big deal. Plus it's their contractors. I have my business where I can scale it very quickly up to meet demand or down to meet a lack of demand or whatever. Thankfully, we haven't run into that yet, but I like to have it scalable um, at a moment's notice, right? So all of these are, and they're actually all ladies, believe it or not, that, um, yeah, yeah, I have been trying to recruit a whole bunch of others, but it's just been tough. Um, But no, it's people I know and trust 
that uh, I've seen in action before that I've worked with in different capacities. Um, so no, they didn't have to go through it because they already knew it all. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. And how, how's COVID worked into all this? How, how have you seen what you do be, you know, impacted for good or, or, or worse? Or So I have been so grateful, knock on wood, <laughs> so far, I was able to move all of my clients very quickly into virtual. Um, one of them kind of took a while. They just recently moved over, but all of them now are officially virtually uh, training. A few of them seamless. We didn't adjust any kind of training schedule. It just all went virtual instead of in person. And the way that we run our courses, um, well, even in my speeches, which that stopped for a little bit, but that just started back up. Um, it was very easy to move stuff into the virtual world. So very, very little. It was seamless. Which again, yeah. I just want to knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're like, oh, I hope, I hope, I hope it continues to be that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the kind of stuff that you do in the delivery, of course, it's better in person. At least I think so because you get the yeah. and, the, and the kind of the the energy, but I know a lot of people that have rapidly moved their stuff online because they already had some stuff online. I mean, I, I, I noticed your YouTube channels filled with lots of, lots of videos of, of yeah. you know, great content of, Oh, thank you. Certain, you know, <laughs> certain things of, of your philosophy and ethos and training. Uh, and I think that adaptability is one where if your business can have multi-channel, I was talking to somebody about Omni, Omni-channel, you know, like multiple uh-huh. ways to go. Diversify has always been my my motto. <laughs> yeah, you, you get to be a lot more anti-fragile, I think. Yes. Yeah. Diversify, diversify. And actually, I think um, a lot of people are realizing, well, so for example, a few of the clients were like, no, we'll never do virtual. But now they're realizing that One, they can get, like I have one client who a third of their prior COVID, a third of their workforce was remote from all over the world, right? So anytime we had training, they would fly them all in uh, for it, right? So they're realizing, hey, I can uh, keep my, everyone, everyone's remote right now, right? So they're seeing the benefits of it. What was the other thing too? There was one more benefit. um, Oh, and it just opens up where you could hire people from all over the world, right? Um, you, you don't have to have them all live in the same location. And of course it opens up for us trainers and speakers. It opens up a whole new, another set of clients that may not have been willing to pay for travel. Yeah, no, I, I yeah. knew, uh, I, I interviewed someone else, this guy, Phil, he, he said the same thing. Yeah, He actually had COVID, which he's yeah. in the UK. And he, he when we were talking, he's like, yeah, this, this is for real. It, it's really painful and he had a really low energy and everything, but he, his oh, was yeah. the same take where his, uh, his business had opened up because now it's like, I can hire the best people from around the world. Yep. I don't need to worry about them traveling or whatever. Although he likes, I think he, I think he said he likes to travel, but you know, he, he yeah. was like, I'm, I, I'm okay. I'm okay <laughs> with not doing that. Um, wh- how have you seen, what are sort of the differences in approach when it's virtual? Is it, sort of the same process or have you had to modify anything? Not really. Um, Cause we actually run most things on zoom. So you can put people in breakout rooms when they're supposed to work in pairs or on teams. Uh, but we've all, we've always used, it's very conversational discussion type based training and a lot of interactivity activities. So we were able to move those 
very easily into the virtual world. Okay, so there's one activity where everyone holds a stick and tries to lower it to the ground. We couldn't do that one in the classroom, but you just come <laughs> up with a different thing, right? <laughs> like even uh, the escape room thing, I came up with all puzzles that could be uh, looked at instead of manipulated with your hands. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, you mentioned that before. So you do use some of the escape room stuff in your training. Yes. Oh, yeah. Cool. cool. And um, so are you going to become like a game master in like another <laughs> life once everything? I kind of am. Oh, that's true. I mean, you, yeah, you've done 500 of them. That's true. And <laughs> and you also like run the games and stuff. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was funny. The reason why I bring that up is because uh, during you know, when Jane and I got married, um, she did a little escape room thing for our wedding. So Aww. the <laughs> what do they call the like the little brochure not brochure? That's a silly it's like the program. Uh-huh. Well, the program was an escape room game. Oh and so wow. <laughs> during awesome. the yeah, during the uh reception, if you wanted to play, you would, you know, go around and then you'd have to come to us and then we'd check it off. I don't remember <laughs> if you got a prize or anything, but that's how into it she was where oh wow that's <laughs> awesome our our wedding had that um, <laughs> and uh but it was it's it's interesting how it how you know getting back to that how it does bring people together yes you know even if there's a little bit of tension if you've been through something and mm-hmm. and i think that's the power of it related to leadership have, have you found oh, that yeah. too oh yeah yeah cuz you realize you can't do it alone you need to ask for Indeed. help. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> it's oh, I'm always fun when uh, you go into a room um, with people and they're like, oh, we can't ask for a clue. Like, why not? Don't you ask for help in real life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's no there, there's no pride in <laughs> Why would you care? Like, exactly. We ask for help. We collaborate. We work together. You know, you got to put all the minds together to figure stuff out. Yeah, that's what I mean, it is a very good analogy that way. Yeah. Because within, you know, 50 minutes or an hour, you actually go through the entire group dynamic that you would normally go through in a company, but you do it within an hour. Um, I've heard some companies are actually even using escape rooms during the hiring process, or at least uh, they were pre-COVID. Oh, interesting. Because it's interesting, people's personalities come out when you get into those situations. You know, they're true ones, not the ones they're they, <laughs> they're hiding. <laughs> so that's a good idea. I never thought it's a really good idea. Escape room interview. <laughs> and I've actually heard of people using in their private life dating. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so we're gonna put this one through the escape rooms. Let's see how they uh, how they handle it. <laughs> So what do you, I guess, yeah, I guess what, what are you supposed to, wow, that's a, that's a pressure cooker. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. So you got like everyone's all the, all the friends of whoever, and then you're like the candidate, uh-huh. <laughs> like a better word. And they're like, yeah, Talk let's about see how, stress. <laughs> yeah, let's see how this person deals with it. That's probably worse than meeting the parents. <laughs> Unless you love escape rooms and you're good at them. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. That's true too. I remember we, we to shine. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I remember we did one where we actually had some random people with us, uh-huh. and it was a couple, uh, and they were like really intense. Oh, yeah, more intense than we were. But they kind of never they 
we never we didn't get out but uh-huh. boy once once it was about five minutes to go roughly uh-huh they're like they gave up really <laughs> you can't give up after five minutes no they, they're like oh we're never gonna get out it's like doesn't matter no we gotta keep you know keep going that's actually funny. That's another parallel to life, right? Yeah. Um, so I can't tell you how many times we've been in a room. There's five minutes left. You look around. It seems like there's 20 puzzles left in your mind. It gets blown up, right? Uh, but we've decided no matter what, you keep going. Uh, just like in life, no matter what, you just keep going, right? And then we've been surprised how many times we've gotten out of rooms like with six seconds to spare just because we just kept going. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We that happened to us on one of them. It was, it was a, it was interesting because it was a particularly tricky, tricky room. And we had blown so much time on this really, what at the time, like in hindsight was such a silly problem. Uh huh. But, but once you had figured that out, it's sort of the dominoes rolled really quick. And I don't know if that's the way the game master designed it, but boy, uh-huh. once you got past that first hurdle, then it was just like, oh, this one, oh, this one, yep. oh, this one. Oh, this one. And I think we had like 15 seconds. We got out within 15 seconds. Yeah. See, again, parallels to life. Felt great. (laughs) Yes. Felt great. Yeah. So how many times in life are you spending way too much time on something that you really didn't, don't need to be even giving any of your attention to? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But then you got to persevere and keep going and and buckle down and go after your goals. Yeah. I I do. I agree. I think people, they quit too early. Yeah. I mean, there's always a time to quit and and, and every entrepreneur needs to go through in their process and then their mind. Okay. When am I going to stop this path? Yeah. But, but what I've seen is most people, they quit too early. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's a hard call. Like you can't, you don't know, especially for, if you're an entrepreneur starting a business, business is hard, especially like during this time, you got COVID, you got all these all sort of things that are against you, but yeah, play the game till the end. Keep keep up the hustle. Keep going. Keep going. (laughs) Keep going. And so, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Ask for help, right? Yes. (laughs) Ask ask for help help. and a clue. Use your resources. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So that's the next book then. I could see you writing one on how particularly escape rooms relate to entrepreneurs. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there could be that. I mean, I am I have some ideas for for books. There you go. I'm, although we can I'm collaborate. Not, yeah, there you go. I'm not as like I think I'd have to do a bunch more just to <laughs> get back in the flow, but just do a few to catch up, you Yeah. Know. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, so many, especially when it comes to when you pull the team together, like any solving any problem, like pull the team together. It's that, you know, the, the, the first part of it, you know, in the room, everyone's frantic to get stuff done. Like, Oh, we got to do this. We got to do that. You know, and you see it, you see this like storming stage, which is the classical group dynamic. And then usually someone becomes in charge. It's not, and sometimes they don't <laughs> want to be, but it's like, okay, we should probably like, think about this. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and then, and then, you know, storming, norming, performing, and then winning. Right? Yep. So it's super interesting. I'm, I'm really glad we had time to talk today. It was really good. Oh to yeah. Get to know it's been you. fun. And, uh, I really, I really enjoy the fact that you, uh, you use this thing that this escape room 
experiences that, that you find really, you know, joyful and happy and fun, um, in, in your leadership practice, because I think anytime you can bring yourself into it and give those good analogies and those good stories, um, just makes the, it seems to me, you know, make, you know, makes the material a little more real. I mean, do, do do you find that as well? Real, yes, and when people are having fun, they learn it better. <laughs> oh, that's true too. Yeah, yep. I didn't think of it that way. There's like two sides of that. You either learn from extreme pain or <laughs> learn from extreme fun. Yeah. Huh, cool. Yeah, well, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate your time. And uh, oh, yeah, I will definitely um, take a look at the book. I'll encourage everyone to as well. I'll put links to your website and your book in the show notes. And uh, thanks again for for your time. And uh, yeah, stay safe. And uh, I guess keep on escaping. I don't even know what what what, what I would say to that. <laughs> keep escaping. Keep escaping. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learn something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.